Welcome to Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio, hosted by Josh Cantwell and Kyle Gariffo. Strategic Real Estate Coach is where the nation's leading real estate investors, brokers, and agents turn to transform the way the real estate business is being done in neighborhoods across the nation. If you desire to make more money, do more deals, grow your passive income, and build the lifestyle you've always wanted, you need Strategic Real Estate Coach. This powerhouse team is led by Josh Cantwell, a seasoned investor with nearly a decade of experience over 700 transactions and over 5.5 million in fundraising generated for himself and his partners. Now, sit back, listen, learn and accelerate your business with Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio. Hello everybody and welcome to Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio podcast. My name is Kyle Griffo, head coach here at Strategic Real Estate Coach. I'd like to welcome back all of our listeners who uh, have listened to us before and hope you're enjoying our podcast. Hope you're enjoying your summer. I know that I certainly am. I know our Cleveland guys are, are definitely enjoying their summer as the Cavs just won. So uh, there's a lot of guys celebrating back at Strategic Real Estate Coach headquarters now. Uh, if you didn't know, they were headquartered out of Cleveland, Ohio. So they're definitely celebrating the, the victory for LeBron and the Cavs. So we're all certainly happy for them and that city that hasn't won in 372 years. So we're very, we're very happy for them. Uh, couldn't happen to a, a bunch of nicer guys. So Again, hope you guys are all doing well, but we have a fantastic podcast actually today. I'm super excited uh, about our guests, and I really like bringing guys on who who are are real, who are real, you know, investors. These are not some, you know, maybe guys you see necessarily on TV and, and you know, guys that are, are pitching themselves all over late night infomercials. I mean, these are guys that are really out there doing it, have been doing it now for years and, and are successful. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Tom Nardone. Tom, are you there? Yeah, Kyle, I'm here. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm, d- I'm doing awesome. Thanks so, for asking. I appreciate it. So did you get a chance to watch any of those uh, NBA finals? You an NBA guy at all? No, not at all. Sorry. Hey, that's, that's quite all right. That's quite all right. You know, I, I think a lot of people were definitely cheering for the Cavs, but uh, you guys certainly Miami uh, are down. You're, you're uh, down in, in uh, South Florida, correct? Correct. Yes, I'm in the Fort Lauderdale area. Yep. But uh, close, close to the swamps and the Everglades at the same time. Close to the swamps and the Everglades. Okay. Well, good. Well, thanks for coming on. Just want to spend a little bit of time with you. You, you certainly have a unique and interesting story, and I'll let you do be the one who tells. Uh, but I'll give you a little. I'll give our listeners a little bit of background. So. Tom is really known as the Millionaire Mailman. It's such a cool name. I love it. And why that is, is is that, you know, this guy started off as a mailman at age 19 for the U.S. Post Office and just realized that this was not his road to riches. This is not what he wanted to do to become successful in life and just not something he wanted to do throughout up until the age of retirement. So took his skills, took his knowledge, and he truly advanced his real estate career until it just ultimately exploded. This guy's been featured on Good Morning America twice, CNBC's Power Lunch, and numerous radio shows. So this guy certainly knows what he's talking about. He loves teaching new students. He loves sort of that out-of-the-box mentality and that thinking. I think I'll let him talk a little bit more about that. Um, But he's got courses like Get Huge Checks, The Option Auction, How to Get Real Estate Deals Before Your Competition Even Knows About Them. Um, He bought his first house in 1983 and just built a portfolio of rentals. And uh, this guy retired at age 35. So how many people want to retire at age 35? I'm already older than 35 and haven't retired yet. So apparently I'm doing it wrong. So this is definitely a guy that I want to listen to for sure. So, so Tom, talk to us a little bit about how does and why does, uh, you know, a mailman make that big career switch? Well, uh, I guess um, it was partly uh, my wife 
demanding a better lifestyle than a man, <laughs> mailman's paycheck, I right. guess, is probably the biggest driving force. Yeah, as you mentioned, um, you know, I got started with uh, working with the Postal Service. I was actually at the ripe old age of 19 when I moved to sunny South Florida. I grew up in the New York area, and when I got down here, uh, I started that job delivering mail. Met my wife there, and she was also a letter carrier. So the two of us made sort of decent money from the standpoint that we both made, you know, a nice blue collar paycheck. And gosh, back in the '80s, I think we were making like a hundred thousand dollars a year for a couple, which wasn't bad money. Sure. But uh, the the job just wasn't that rewarding for me. Number one, I didn't feel like it was my highest calling in life, if you, if you want to put it that way. Right. So I was looking for ways to branch out from there. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, Tom, I don't know if you knew. So I was a clinical therapist for 10 years, 11 years before I, I made the, uh, the the big switch. And I actually quit my job on a Thursday and bought a house on a Monday. That's that's actual true story. I think I quit on April 21st. And, and people always joke with me. My coworker said, why do you quit on, on a Friday? Who quits on a Thursday? But I'm like, hey, that's what I needed to do. I need an extra day to get ready to, to buy that house on Monday and get ready to go. But um, so my, my story is very similar to yours. And certainly that my wife sort of demanded that, that we live better than what we were certainly living. I, I, had, uh, I had a kid at the time and I just wasn't spending a lot of time with her. And um, I, I just wanted more, kind of like, like, like you said as well too. I just wanted more. And, and so we certainly have similar stories. So what gave you that advantage of, of, of being uh, a mailman? What sort of, um, how did you use that to your advantage over maybe some of your other competition at the time? How did you really just take advantage of that? Well, you know, I was really lucky in the fact that I was a mailman because, you know, when you think about what mailmen do all day, they're either driving around or they're walking around neighborhoods. So all day long, I would see houses. And I was fortunate enough that I had a couple mentors from back in the 80s. There's sort of the old school guys, but a few of them are still out there. Uh, one of those guys is John Schaub. Another one's Pete Fortunato. Uh, another guy, uh, uh, Jack Miller, I learned a lot from, uh, although Jack died about six or seven years ago. But what those guys taught me, my early mentors, was, you know, you see these houses all day long. You more or less have an unfair advantage over all the other investors because this is what they helped me realize, was that when somebody goes into foreclosure, one of the first things that happens before it becomes public record, because we all know that when a house goes into foreclosure, there's usually uh, a Liz Pendens or a notice of default, depending on whether you're a mortgage or trustee state, and the complaint gets filed. But then it's public record, and every investor in town knows. But before that happens, when the seller is just like 30, 60, 90 days late, usually the bank sends out a certified letter to the borrower who didn't make his payment, and it was my job as the mailman to take that certified letter, walk up to the door, knock on the door, and talk to the owner and say, you've got a letter here I need you to get to sign for. And I can't tell you, Kyle, how many times uh, a seller has looked at that letter and seen like, you know, a bank's name on there, a mortgage company's right. name on the return address. And they'd say, man, I got to get rid of this house. Do you know anybody who wants to buy it? So I'd be standing there like, yeah, me. Let me come back in my civilian clothes later on and let's talk. So that's kind of how I got all my leads getting started. <laughs> so so you would suggest for people who want to get instant leads to become a mailman first and then go and get leads because that, that's crazy. That's amazing how you can do that. Now, 
What about the people who, you know, didn't necessarily come out and ask you right away? Did you, were you able to approach them? Did you come out after the, you know, your shift was over and say, Hey, I might be interested or, or was it, did you wait only for the guys to ever ask you, do you know anybody who might be interested in buying my house? Well, because I was a mailman and, and whether the, the average listener on your show here realizes it or not, your mailman knows more about you than you realize he knows. Because <laughs> uh, we get to see your mail. We, right. we get to read your mail. I mean, we don't open it, right. you know, uh, but we get to see, you know, we know when somebody's getting a lot of letters from bill collectors and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, I would pick up on that and I would just send those people a, a classic yellow letter or postcard because I knew these people were getting uh, you know, bill collector notices. Yeah. And in fact, at the time the actual foreclosure did get filed and it would become public record, I'd also see a whole slew of foreclosure mail coming because all the Liz Pendens lists that investors buy picked it up. Wow. Yeah. That's so, yeah, you really truly had that advantage of, of beating all the competition then too. That's how you can, how you can host a whole course on how to, how to beat your competition to it. So that's that's phenomenal. So I think talking to my uh, my actually my my UPS driver did give me a lead about two years ago. I will say that it did not go through, but uh, probably not along the same lines as Mailman because you guys are doing the same route pretty much all the time, correct? Correct. Yeah. You get to hear the stories in the neighborhood. You know, like the gossip, like, hey, did you hear so-and-so's house is going into foreclosure? Right. And I'd be like, oh, really? What? It's yeah. time to stop by and see old so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just happen to have a, a, a nice yellow pad of paper in my car that I might be able to write them a nice little letter saying they're interested in selling. So, yeah, that's Correct. great. So that definitely gave you that leg up. That, that's, that's, a, that's a super cool story right there. I've never actually heard of a mailman. You know, I've heard of mailmen helping people out, but not necessarily taking it to the to the to, to the flow blown of of hey, this is what I want to do, and and I've got access to leads that really nobody else has. So that's that's super cool. So I know you mentioned like guys like John Schaub and Jack Miller. Anybody else or any courses out there that just really propelled you? I mean, or was this sort of a learn on the fly type of thing for you? Well, those guys got me started in my initial pursuit of. Of, of really long-term real estate investing. And uh, I like to tell my students that I'm, that I'm you know, working with today that I myself kind of got started backwards in this. And I, I like to say I got started backwards in the sense that I started buying and holding. So due to the fact that I had that steady government paycheck automatically deposited in my, in my you know, bank account every Friday. I didn't have to think about how I was going to eat or buy groceries or, or make my house payments. Right. So I just focused on long-term buy and holds. And I was kind of lucky in the sense that back in the 80s, uh, depending on how old some, some of you folks listening are, uh, back in the 80s, we actually had a little real estate crash, similar to the one we had like five, six, seven years ago, but it was on a much smaller scale. And it was called like the SNL crisis, where a lot of the savings and loans went kind of belly up. So we had at that time a lot of people uh, that were upping and just leaving their homes and just kind of heading back up north because they couldn't make a living down here. So that was one thing that helped me get started was I was in a in an economy that's very much like today, where uh, we know a lot of the major areas have rebounded from the crash of six or seven years ago. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of areas that were hardest hit, like where I live in Florida, where there's little pockets where there's still lots of opportunity as the prices start to climb once again. 
Yeah. So is your main strategy now still uh, to to acquire and then hold? Or are you doing any flips? Or what exactly is your main strategy now? Well, when I started by buying and holding, uh, I actually, over a 10-year period as a mailman, I, I picked up like 35 houses on my mail routes. Yeah. So here I woke up, fast forward 10 years to age uh, 35, which for me was 1995. I'm 56 now. But uh, when I was 35 years old, I had about three dozen houses I was renting out, and I was stressed. <laughs> so uh, my wife said, you got to quit that stupid job. Uh -huh. So uh, women are smart. I listened to my wife. I quit the stupid job. And then once I had my daytimes available, I started doing more fix and flip activity. And today, we've probably in the last 20 years done about, uh, I guess, about 300-ish houses that we fixed and flipped. Okay. So th that's typically how I urge most students to get started is do doing uh, an activity that actually feeds today's cash flow needs first. And then once you build up a chunk of money, then put it into long-term rentals. Right, right. No, exactly. Hey, did anybody think it was weird that their mailman owned like half their block? Oh, man, it was weird. Uh, I would have tenants that would come down to me and they go, Tom, I owe you the rent. And they'd start peeling off $100 bills at the mail truck. And I'd be like, no, don't do that. <laughs> not here, not here, not here. <laughs> oh, we're going to get in trouble. I mean, they're right. going to think I'm a dope dealer or something. So, uh, so yeah, that, that was a little awkward. But yeah. That's, that's... I, I, but it, it helped me out because, you know, the word got around the neighborhood that, you know, um, oh, I'm having trouble or I got to sell my house. So talk to Tom, the mailman. He'll buy it. So yeah. my name got passed around. Yeah, I would say so. And, and in terms of your, your management of your houses, it had to be relatively easy if you're just going from house to house to house, right? So like you owe me money. You owe me rent. Like I'll, I'll fix your roof. You just kind of went from house to house, right? Yeah, it was it was it was convenient. It was almost like having a multifamily block. Exactly, you know? exactly. Like a mult instead of being a instead of being vertical, it was more of a horizontal multifamily unit, right? So, exactly. Are you struggling to find great real estate deals to flip, rehab, buy and hold, or wholesale? End the frustration today and get 55 simple and proven strategies that find smoking hot deals in your market absolutely free. Go to 55simpleways.com slash podcast right now. That's 55simpleways.com slash podcast. Hey, I know you've been featured on, on a lot of shows and, and doing radio shows and, and you've, you've got courses out there. So what types of students you know, do you like to work with? What, what types of students that you find are just the most motivated and driven to be successful you know, in, in your philosophy? And what is your coaching and, and teaching philosophy then? Well, right now, it's, for the most part of it, it's, it's get in, get out, and get a check. Okay. Okay. Uh, because I think that's powerful, especially uh, you know, most students starting out that do need a, a good mentor – a lot of them don't have a lot of experience in real estate, and it's pretty easy to show them how to wholesale a deal. And if they're on the handy side, even though I recommend they don't bang the nails themselves, right. it's pretty easy to find a house that you know needs a lot of work and needs a cash buyer and so forth. So um, I tend to focus on getting students started wholesaling and then eventually move them into buy and holds. I, I will say I'm into a philosophy of get in, get out, get a check in this market we're in because we see, at least in my area of you know sunny South Florida, that the market has literally 
Wow, if not tripled, it's definitely doubled just in the last three or four years. Yeah. Now, of course, that's coming out of a hole because we know that the market free fell for you know quite a while, yep. and then it started you know from an all-time low and climbed back out. But where a lot of us who are experienced in markets like that, we're kind of scratching our heads, going, "Hmm, we've seen this kind of escalation once before. Should we stay light?" and stay liquid and stay free and clear with the holds we have because um, I think if you look in the holding property and you're 50% leveraged, uh, I was only 50% leveraged way back uh, 10, 12 years ago, but when you have a 50 or 75% correction in price, it leaves you with upside down. Yes, it so uh, we're all being smarter and more careful this time, I think. So that, that's what I tell my students to do. Okay, okay. Is there any type of student that, that you find is is – is really just taking to your, your teaching philosophy and just really just going with it and being successful. I mean, you know, obviously it, it, it takes hard work, but who, who are your students? You know, I, I guess it's kind of a very general question for me to ask. Yeah. So typically uh, it's funny. I have a, a, a blend of two types of students. I have people who are just getting started, have never bought a single deal before. And then I have other people who have gone through programs and just, you know, never got really what they were looking for. They felt like they were teased or they, they paid a lot of money and uh, they just kind of blew their money because they weren't actually able to get results. We actually still do what we say we do. Right. We buy, we wholesale, we rehab and we rent. So I, I think what they want is marketing techniques that really work in the marketplace. And when you have students scattered around the country and you've done a lot of your direct mail on your own, because I, I, I'm a male guy, because right. I was a male man, I came from direct mail, and I still use a lot of direct mail today. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's th those are typically the people I help most. Okay, perfect. Well, that kind of leads me to, to my next question. So in terms of your top strategy, I mean, we talked about before of what your acquisition strategy was and was so unique. So no, I was kidding. I don't recommend everyone become a mailman in order to acquire leads, but if that's what you want to do and it works, then by all means, go for it. But is that a strategy that you still use or do you use bird dogs now to kind of uh, do you use other mailmen now to, to find you leads? And what is sort of your top strategy or maybe top two strategies now that you do for yourself? I know you mentioned, you know, yellow letters and direct mail. Anything else in there as well, too? Well, yeah, I, I, I would say direct mail is my number one, but I, I guess my unique niche will always be that when I'm out in neighborhoods and I see a mail truck, because every neighborhood has a mailman, I'll go up to that mail truck and I'll stripe up a conversation with, with the mail carrier. Yeah. And by the way, Kyle, I don't know if you know this, but I actually speak mailman. Okay. okay. I, I would assume so. Yeah, I don't, so... There's an actual special lingo because, you know, I worked there for 16 years. Right. I was a mailman. So it's like I know all the shop talk and all the buzzwords and all the all the, the language that they use. So I can go up to somebody as a stranger and I can just start a, a, um, a conversation with a mail carrier or postal worker. And right away, we'll be able to connect. And if it's the regular on the route, and probably right. this is the message that your listeners can use most, is uh, if is talk to your mailman, okay? Your mailman knows more about your neighborhood and your target neighborhoods that you're targeting than anybody. Right. In fact, I always like to ask people, you know, have you tipped your mailman last Christmas? Mm -hmm. Okay, if you haven't, 
shame on you. <laughs> you know, just give the guy 20 bucks because if you put 20 bucks in a card and, and you put your real estate business card in there saying I buy cash, house is cash, yep. and give him 20 bucks and say, you know what, if you can just refer me to a deal and when I close that deal, I'll pay $500. Yep. That's a lot of money to a mail carrier. They, they take that seriously. Yeah, for sure. So be, be, be nice to your mailman, tip them, and uh, tell them what it is you do. Tell them you buy houses. Yeah, no, that, and so, all right, so now that you got me intrigued, so I want to know one one word that, you know, so if I want to, if I want to talk mailman, I want to know a word, I want to know a phrase. So if I go up to my mailman, I'm like, yo, I say what? Say, uh, I walk up to him and I say, hey, my name's Tom. Are you the regular? Ooh, okay, okay. And, yeah, sure. are you the regular? Now, regular means a whole lot more than just being the regular guy who shows up on the route every day. Uh -huh. Regular, believe it or not, is the official post office term for the mailman who's assigned that route. Okay. He is actually the regular mail carrier, and that's his title. He's a regular. Now, if he's the guy who comes on the day off, he might say, no, I'm the T6 or T7. If he says he's a T6 or T7, that means he's the guy who's not there every day. So the point of this is the guy who's not there every day wouldn't know about all the little circumstances and yeah. the chitter-chatter in the neighborhood. Yep. But the regular carrier who shows up every day would know about that. So it's, it helps if you wear like a polo shirt that just has embroidered on it, I buy houses cash. So as soon as you walk up to the mail carrier, they're just going to look at your shirt and like any other advertisement shirt, they're going to know what it is that you do, and they're going to know that you're probably not somebody who's from the government trying to trip them up and get them in trouble. Right. <laughs> but so, for the most part, what you want to ask your letter carrier is you want to ask them not quite so much really personal, deep questions like who's in foreclosure on your route, <laughs> who's getting certified letters from their mortgage company. That's a little too sensitive to start off the conversation. Right. What you want to do is you want to ask them for what's called plain view information because you know mailmen they're they're you know civil servants just like police officers and so forth you know you stop a cop and you ask them directions in the neighborhood how to get to somewhere they're they're generally supposed to to help you same thing for a mailman so if if you go up to the mailman and you say hey do you have any houses you know i buy houses for cash do you have any houses on your mail route if you're the regular that have either tall grass or or they're vacant or there's lots of you know pizza coupons stacked around the doorknob or you know water turnoff notices stuff like that see that's plain view information that right. you can see from the street and they they won't get in trouble for giving that out that is those are some good tips right there so I was writing those down so are you the regular I like that I got that in quotes plain view information and something I don't want to do is ask them how many pieces of certified mail they have because that's coming off a little strong all right, so yeah, I yeah. probably I probably do that. Like, hey, who do you know who's in foreclosure? And they're like, dude, get get away from here, <laughs> get away from my mail right. truck right now. So. You, you don't ever want to make them think they're going to get in trouble right. for anything they should do. Right. You. But however, here's my philosophy on that: if the individual decides they want to go a little further and share more, then 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 they do. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of goes along the, along the lines of the guys handing you like hundred dollar bills for for their rent money, right? Like you don't want to be doing that per se. Right, right. And don't come dressed in a suit, you know. Don't come I mean, dressed. Right. Anybody who's dressed in a suit, they're always problems. That's what I always say. Any, anybody yeah. who comes knocking at your door in a suit or talking to you, always always trouble. I agree with you there. So um, can you talk about maybe one successful deal or something, maybe a unique, interesting deal that, that you've ever done? 
Yeah, we actually, um, oh gosh, we did a couple of really zinger deals. In fact, I just closed the biggest profit deal in my life about two months ago. But um, uh, it's a long story, and I don't know if we have time to share that. Uh, but now I've teased you with it, so <laughs> I guess uh, it's actually a house that I've owned on my mail route, okay? And I actually bought this house, believe it or not, 20 years ago. And to make a long story short, condense it down to a few seconds, uh, a few sentences, we, uh, I rented the house out for years. We, uh, we had it rented to a tenant who accidentally left some candles burning, and she ran up to the 7-Eleven store. And uh, when she came back, the house was burned down. So the house actually, and, and again, this is a, a house I bought off of my rent mail route. Yep. I, I found the seller because they were getting those certified letters we talked about. But I held that sucker for 20 years. Hmm. Well, the house burned down literally five years ago. And we got into a dispute with the insurance company over the claim, which lasted like five years. But to make a long story short, we actually, by way of using some of the statutes of limitations, we actually got the mortgage released from the property. And even though the house was burned down, we sold the property and we got to keep the insurance damage proceeds. And I would just say the profit was in the six figures. Boom. And, uh, it yeah. worked out really, really amazing. I so, could understand, yeah. Yeah, but that was a deal that we, it started, at, you know, as a mail carrier deal, mm -hmm. as a mail carrier uh, lead. And uh, we, we also closed another rehab. We just finished over by the, by the beach. It was a lead I got from a mail carrier. This was me just talking to them at the curb, just seeing the truck and pulling over. I drive an F-150, so I just pulled over in my, my pickup truck. I started a conversation with the mailman. He gave me the lead on the house. We did a short sale. I picked up the house for 90. We put another 40 into it, and we just sold that house for 205. Okay. Wow. So that, that was a classic fix, fix and flip. Yeah. But, um, but it had a good spread in it, had a really good spread. So that those are just a couple of deals, and and there's nothing super duper fancy except for maybe the the one where we got the lien released. But uh, uh, every deal has its own hair, yeah. <laughs> and some are hairier than others, yes, as you know, are. Kyle. Yes, they are. Sometimes you need a big gigantic pair of scissors, and other times you just need a lot like a small pair of scissors. But every deal does have hair, no matter if you're in this business, it never goes according to plan. You and I both know that. So. Um, anything kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum there, any, any, any decisions that you've made that you might've regretted or that you've learned from, I, I'm certainly, I've made 32,000 mistakes in my career here in the last nine years that I've been doing it, but anything that really stands out for you? Yeah, I'm glad you've asked that is when I was starting out, I was told to really stay away from the cruddy neighborhoods. Yeah. Okay. Um, because you know, those lower price properties, you know, they're harder to manage and, there's a lot of problems that are associated with those. But, you know, my philosophy on that is flipped because it's like when we saw that last big run-up infl of inflation 10 years ago, it's like, you know, the, all the boats rise with a rising tide, right? Yep. So it wasn't just the nice or intermediate houses that went up. Even the houses in the cruddy areas went up in value. So my biggest words of wisdom today and what I would change most is, Stay away from buying $150,000 or $250,000 houses, you know, if you can, as rentals. Now, I would rather own a thirty dollars or $40,000 mobile home with the land, by the way, as long as it comes with the land, 
in Florida in some little backwoods town that I could rent free and clear and never have a mortgage company involved in my life. Right. That's what I would change is I would buy the low end stuff that's got at least a 20% cash on cash return and I would hold it free and clear and I'd, I'd be much more happier and a lot less stressed than if I bought these houses that have hundred and two hundred thousand dollar mortgages on them. Yep. Perfect. That's good advice right there. So well, kind of uh, along the same lines. So any advice you'd give to our listeners, just kind of looking to get started in real estate or maybe guys that have done maybe one or two or three deals. What, what advice can you give them to achieve the level of success that they might be out there looking for? I would say that, you know, it's, it's, um, there's opportunity in, in problems and for the most part of it, as you're out there looking for properties, don't look for properties, look for problems, right? Because when you can solve those problems and this goes back to the hair we just talked about on most deals, the biggest profit we've ever made is the houses that had really funky liens that, you know, they're hard to clean up. Um, th there were certain things that the property had wrong with it that another, a lot of other investors passed by or walked by and said, you know what, that's too much work. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. But, um, those houses are easier to get the sellers to to work with you because if you're able to instill enough trust and confidence in the seller that you can handle their problem, then you're going to get the deal. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I mean, one of my best deals that I've ever done came from, from a yellow letter, and that was actually the only time that a homeowner interviewed me at a Starbucks outside of the house itself. She, she would not let me see the house until she interviewed me because apparently she had you know received yellow letters before and there's some, let's face it, there's some shady people out there that, that do what we do. There's very good, honest people that do what we do, but she obviously had been approached by the wrong people, so she interviewed me, quote unquote, at a Starbucks. We eventually got to go see the house. This woman loved her cats, had like five cats. House was disgusting. She had a first lien, a second lien, an HOA lien, and an IRS lien. She owed $715,000, um, which is a lot of money, which I think scared off a lot of people. I bought that house for two hundred five, and uh, wow. put only fifteen grand into it and sold it for three fifty within uh, like two months. So just wow. like you're talking about right then and there, like you know, find the ones that that are the problems, find the ones that people don't necessarily want to take on. Those are the ones that if you could be a problem solver for people, it's not always about making money. I mean, that should be a byproduct of what we do. But if we can solve problems for people, oh, and I got her a $21,000 check at closing. It, it was a short sale. Uh, Chase Bank wrote her a check for twenty one grand at closing, too. So if that wasn't a winning situation for everybody, I don't, know, I don't know what deal was. So your point there is spot on. I mean, definitely spot on there. So, hey, well, Tom, I appreciate you coming on board. So can you, you want to enlighten us? How can our listeners find out more about you and, and your podcast and, and, your, and your, 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 your training courses and all that? Sure. Yeah. Probably the easiest way to do that is just visit my website. It's uh, millionairemailman.com. Real simple. Millionairemailman.com. Like I said at the beginning, that's, that's fantastic. Well, Tom, I appreciate you coming on board. You, you certainly provided a unique story that, that certainly I've never heard, but it does kind of open my eyes to start talking to my mail carrier a lot more as well, too. I, I have utilized them one, one other time before, and it did become a successful deal. So I think in terms of consistent uh, deal flow, that is somebody to certainly turn to. But the important thing, like you said, is make sure that, that you're giving them a tip every Christmas as well, too, right? Help them out a little bit. So they certainly work exactly. hard and, and, and do good work. So, Tom, I, I definitely appreciate you, you, you coming on board and sharing your uh, insights with us today. 
Well, thanks, Kyle. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, perfect. Well, hey, guys, if you want to learn more about Strategic Real Estate Coach and download a free report on 55 simple and powerful strategies that find killer real estate investments, you can visit our podcast site at shrekradio.com. That's S-R-E-C radio.com. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher for that Android system for new episodes every week on Wednesdays. And finally, please leave us a five-star rating and let us know how we are doing by leaving us a review on iTunes. That's the best way to say thanks for this free content. So visit us again at ShrekRadio.com. Once again, I appreciate Tom coming on board. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you on the next podcast. So long. You're just listening to Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio, hosted by Josh Cantwell and Kyle Gariffo. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next, who you would like us to interview, or if you just want to share some of your success stories in real estate, and maybe we'll talk about it on our next show. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure you subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Josh Cantwell and Strategic Real Estate Coach on Facebook and Twitter. Check out all our awesome free training videos at youtube.com forward slash SREC video. If you want to find out 55 simple and powerful ways to find killer real estate investments, go to 55simpleways.com forward slash podcast right now to download our free report and get a ton of free resources on finding properties and funding properties. And stay up to date on what's happening right now in the real estate industry. That's 55simpleways.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.